Welcome to Nutrition Grad Guide. I'm your host, Shana Sapi, a qualified nutritionist and multi-passionate entrepreneur. I created this podcast to help nutrition grads just like you navigate your way into a career and a life that you love. In each episode, I'm going to bring you interviews with experts in the nutrition and health field, exploring a range of different career pathways. We'll learn about what they do, how they got there, and their advice to help you grow a successful career as a nutritionist or a natural health professional. Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest on the podcast is the incredible Rebecca Edwards, who is a qualified naturopath who has worked as a clinician, a lecturer, and a writer in the health industry. She's doing phenomenal things. Um, Currently, she is the Director of Education with Activated Probiotics and Activated Nutrients, and I had the pleasure of hearing her speak at a conference recently and was blown away by the depth of her knowledge. So it's such a pleasure to have you here today, Rebecca. Really excited to dive into all the incredible things you've achieved throughout your career, and I'm sure there's more to come. Thank you so much for inviting me, Shana. It's lovely to be with you. It's my pleasure. So let's get started by chatting a little bit about how you first got into health in the first place. Sure. Well, it's a little bit of an interesting story, I guess. Like many people in our profession, I came to natural medicine through my own health challenges, which is a story you've heard many, many times before. But I feel like I've got a couple of little extra dimensions to that. Um, I guess the most significant is that I I grew up in a really medical family. Um, My dad is a cardiothoracic surgeon. My mom was a microbiologist. And, you know, as kids, there was always a medical answer for everything. I was very determined right from the time I was small that I was not going to be a doctor because that's all anybody ever asked me. You know, are you going to be a doctor like your dad? And I would always say absolutely not because, you know, the side of medicine that I grew up with was that being a doctor meant you chopped people open essentially and that you were never home and always traveling. And when you were home, you were asleep and it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't what I, what I knew I wanted when I was a kid. So my first degree at university, I went as far away from medicine as I possibly could. And I enrolled in a Bachelor of Arts with a double major in English and history. And I decided I was not having anything to do with science or medicine or healing or anything like that. And I was going to be a writer and I was going to be a professor of history. And I don't know, right, I'm not quite sure what I was going to write, but I was going to not do medicine. But I think that fate has a really funny way of finding what you actually need to be doing. In my, I think it was my second year of my arts degree, I went down that very well-trodden path of many university students and I developed glandular fever, which absolutely knocked me for six, absolutely was horrific. Mm. And I actually ended up dropping out of uni for a term and I was just so unwell. I just had, I mean, you know, you would be really familiar with this, the constant sore throat, swollen glands. I had um, swollen liver, swollen spleen. I couldn't eat anything. Just had, you know, kind of almost a year of constant mouth and throat ulcers. Um, You know, I think I lost about 20 kilos. I just was so, so, so sick. And I couldn't get out of bed, but I couldn't sleep. And I was just crying all the time. And, you know, my very um, medical parents were obviously holding the line that, well, it's a virus. There's nothing you can do. There's no, you know, my microbiologist mother, who was so used to having all the antibacterial answers, she didn't have any antiviral answers. Yeah. And you know, my doctor dad was very like, well, you're just going to have to get over it. 
except that I really, really wasn't getting over it. And I know that my mom became really quite worried about me because she could see that I was not getting better and was just really spiraling into a really nasty chronic fatigue kind of situation. So she ended up, someone said to her, have you tried a naturopath? And she's like, what's a naturopath? And someone said, oh, my neighbor's one, here's her card. So I just was handed this, you know, this is in the, the mid-1990s, so picture an old, like, uh, you know, cardboard um, Vista print kind of business card with a woman's name on it and a phone number, and I had literally no idea what a naturopath was, but I phoned her up and said, you know, I'm really sick and I can't get better, and someone suggested you might be able to help. Yeah. So I went to see her, and, you know, it was transformational. She wow. listened to me. She asked me so many questions about myself and what had led to this and how different parts of the body were talking to each other and just linked so many things together for me that I'd never seen before and really made me understand that there was a way I could see medicine working for me because what I'd always loved about literature and history was the way things wove together and the way stories coalesced in a narrative kind of formed and I hadn't seen that in medical science because my exposure to it had been well you look down a microscope and there's a bug there or or someone's got something wrong with them so they have their heart sliced open or replaced you know so this was the first time that I'd really seen the personal in the medical and I started to think that this could be something I'd really like to do and of course the naturopath I saw also really helped my health so you know she talked to me about foods and she gave me you know disgusting tasting brown liquid in a bottle that I'd never seen before and she gave me all kinds of weird and wonderful tablets and capsules and I just saw it all working so I absolutely horrified my father by saying that I wanted to study naturopathy and he was you know you what um but he um you know was came around to it in the end and it's, you know, it's, it's really another story all on its own, but I ended up enrolling to study naturopathy with my mum and we were students together and she became a qualified naturopath too. And she's also a lecturer. Um, and, so cool. and naturopath. So it was, you know, the whole story was really transformational for our whole family. Um, yeah. And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't have foreseen a better career for me. It really, it's something that really works for me. Yeah, what an so, sorry, Shana. That was a very long-winded answer to how it all started. It was brilliant, though, and it's so cool how you and your mum went on that journey, and it really, like, yeah, helped the whole family. I think that's absolutely incredible. So, when you did study naturopathy, did you sort of know what you wanted to do? Like, did you want to go into one-on-one practice, or did you sort of just take it as it came? Like, what happened? What was your journey and your evolution after graduating? That is such a good question, and it's a long time ago. I'm trying to cast my mind back. So it was it was more than 20 years ago, Shada, that I was a student. Yeah. Um, I think at the time I was I was so excited about learning. I was so excited about finding out everything I could about how the body worked and how the different things that we put into it change that or assist that. So yeah. I loved the philosophy, I loved the history. I knew I always wanted to be giving information of some sort. And I was really excited to, to go into clinical practice, but I also knew that wasn't the only thing I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't have guessed that I would have all the fun that I've had over the last 20 years and all the exciting things that I've done. Yeah. But it's, it's something that now when I'm teaching and when I'm, you know, when I'm mentoring and, and training young practitioners that I will always say is you don't, 
you know, don't feel that there's only one outcome for you from your natural medicine studies. You don't, even though so much of your training is focused on becoming a one-on-one clinician, that is by far, you know, not the only aspect to having a, you know, a a full-time job in this industry. It doesn't have to be one-on-one. And, you know, to be honest, I think if you try to make a full-time living out of consultations, you'll burn out really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, to get back to answering your question, um, I, I knew that I wanted to help people and I wanted to give information in some kind of educational aspect, but I think I hadn't really fully formed any explicit plans. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And that's totally fair enough. I know that's like myself. I also didn't know what I wanted to do when I studied and lots of people often don't, which is why I'm bringing this podcast to the world so that we can see all of our amazing options and evaluate and decide what's right for us. Oh, I think it's a brilliant thing to be doing because, you know, it's, I've been a, I've been a lecturer in natural medicine for more than 15 years. And it's always a conversation that I will have with those students in their last semester or two. Yeah. So many of them just have this enormous crisis of confidence around the future and that they've suddenly decided they don't want to be a clinician or that they're not enjoying it as much as they thought. And I will always hasten to remind them that student clinic is not necessarily representative of real life clinical practice, but also that there are just so many other things you can do. Absolutely. Yeah. It's an exciting world and exciting career pathways we can go on. Um, So before we chat about what you're currently doing, I would love to hear a few of the main highlights of things you've done in the past, because you've done some incredible stuff, um, including you've mentioned lecturing at places like Endeavor. Um, So what are some of like your favorite career moments or favorite things that you've done? Sure. So I give you a a little potted history, I guess. When I graduated, I had two part-time jobs, well, actually three, um, because I'd always kept my student job working in bookshops, which I absolutely loved. I've never, I've never lost the love of literature. And so books have always been there in some form or another. So I combined working with the bookshop with working in a health food shop, which also had a clinic attached where I could offer consultations and Mm -hmm. also working in a pharmacy. And, you know, the pharmacy was probably my least favorite job at that time, but it's been a job that has been incredibly useful throughout my entire career because what I learned working in pharmacy around, you know, co-administration of medications and natural supplements, um, a very the way that pharmacists think about approaching health and the way so many people are involved in, you know, the healthcare system was, was incredibly useful information. Um, I did that for a few years and then I decided I wanted to see more of the world and I took a, well, it was supposed to be a 12-month working holiday visa to go and live in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, so I left, I, you know, I grew up in Perth, Western Australia. I left Perth with with a backpack and then I, well, actually, I was going to say I returned, you know, 15 years later, but I actually never returned to Perth. I haven't lived in Perth since then. Um, but while I was on my, you know, one-year holiday visa, I found my husband in London mm-hmm. and that turned into a, you know, spousal visa and it turned into 10 years living in the UK. Wow. So while I was in the UK, I had, I just had the best time, honestly. It was just, with such a wonderful environment for for the growth of natural medicine, but also for, you know, for young Australians. I mean, anyone who's, you know, who's lived in London knows it's the greatest place in the world when you're in your 20s and fairly carefree and have your whole life ahead of you and all of Europe right next to you. It was a wonderful time. 
Um, but career-wise, it was brilliant for me. I got to do all sorts of exciting things. I lectured at the College of Naturopathic Medicine throughout the UK. And that's the biggest provider of natural medicine education um, in the UK with a big focus on nutrition. So I really fell in love with nutritional medicine while I was teaching there. And I had a lot of opportunities through that through that role. Um, I also had, uh, I worked in four or five different clinics across the UK. Um, I wrote articles for different publications. I spoke on BBC radio. Um, I also did some work for a supplement company, um, teaching practitioners about their supplement range. Um, I also, oh gosh, it was so exciting. I did so many different things. Um, oh, I worked for a cancer charity. I was a medical advisor for them and did lots of um, presentations to healthcare professionals as well as to cancer patients about nutrition and staying well. Um, I did a lecture tour around Pakistan. That was quite fun. Um, <laughs> I fought in Amsterdam, um, all, all kinds of exciting things. It was a wonderful time. Yeah. And then when I had a baby while I was over there and when he was three years old, um, my husband's work actually relocated us. So he's a, a software engineer and well, through a strange confluence of events, he was transferred from the London office of his company to their San Francisco office. Wow. So off we went to live in California, me and him and our three-year-old. And that was a really exciting time as well. So we spent a couple of years living in Northern California, which is in some ways, absolute heaven on earth. It's the most beautiful place with just an incredible history and incredible um, health and food scene. And while I was there, I lectured for a gorgeous uh, holistic nutrition and culinary arts college. And that was a lot of fun connecting with the Californian foodies and teaching them about the anatomy and physiology of the digestive system. Um, and I also did a fair bit of kind of freelance presenting on different things over there as well. And then um, my husband's job interfered again, and off we um, off we went to Melbourne, yeah. which is where we are now. So we've been back in Australia for four years now, and yeah. in that time, I have lectured at Endeavour College and just met some of the most beautiful, incredible, passionate people um, in in the Victorian natural health world. And now I'm working at Activated Probiotics. So once again, a very long-winded answer to your question, Shana, um, but that's that's kind of a whirlwind tour. Yeah, that is absolutely incredible. It just like all those things sound like so much fun and some really diverse, amazing roles you've had in there. And yeah, you can really see how you've built up so much incredible experience that's really helping you in your current role. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's been, you know, I've, I've like I say, I've been I feel like I've been incredibly lucky with all the different pathways that my career has taken me on. I've seen a lot of the world. I've met a lot of people and, yeah. um, you know, picked up a, a, a few tidbits of knowledge along the way, too. Absolutely. Yeah. So now that you're working in education at Activated Probiotics, tell us what that looks like. What does that role involve? Sure. So I'm the director of education, which means that I kind of oversee all the the pathways we want our education to take. Um, I work with um, with a very brilliant colleague of mine, Ben, who you studied with, um, and Ben and I together create the educational content. And yeah. the educational content is is for it's kind of multi layered. We have education for our uh, our own colleagues um, because we have a diverse team of um, beautiful staff members across Australia. So we are constantly. Um, working with them to update and maintain and introduce new knowledge 
around research, which is always emerging. We also produce education for practitioners who use our products. And we do, um, we, another brand we have alongside activated probiotics is activated nutrients, which is more of a, I guess, a consumer rather than a practitioner only brand. Yep. So we also produce a, a bit of educational content for the general public around nutrition and health as well. Um, so it keeps me, keeps me very busy writing content, um, holding, holding seminars. And then this time of COVID, lots of online training as well. So I, you know, I <laughs> offer lots of, um, webinars to practitioners all across the country in different time zones and, um, and internationally. We've also, the brand is also launched in the UK, um, mm. late last year, and it's very successful over there. Um, and that gives me a lot of late nights and a lot of early mornings um, yeah. due to time differences. So <laughs> I'm talking to practitioners um, all over the world, all around the clock, um, and also helping to kind of create and direct the education material that we use. Yeah, that's incredible. And education is such a brilliant place to be because you're educating them and they're going on to educate their clients and their fellow practitioners and things. So it's having a real ripple effect and really making a huge impact in the industry, which I think is incredible. Yeah, it's look, it's always been my favorite part of, you know, if you think back to the naturopathic philosophy and, you know, the the, the guidelines that we kind of live and breathe by in our world. My, my favorite point of philosophy was always doctor as teacher, that yeah. what you, you know, the knowledge that you have that you share with your clients, you are then affecting all of their family members and their, you know, their social networks as well. And yeah. what, what we get to do in, in the education program and activated probiotics is bring really exciting, valuable knowledge to thousands of practitioners and their patients and their networks across Australia and, and the world. Yeah, it's really powerful. It's incredible what you're doing. So if you had to describe like, let's say a typical day or a typical week, what would that look like in terms of um, broken down between reading research articles, writing your own education materials and running seminars and webinars? Yes, it would be all of that. Yeah. Um, with lots of meetings thrown in. I spend a lot of time in meetings, which yeah. was not something I, you know, ever really thought about when I was studying or in the yeah. early parts of my career. But yeah, there's there's a lot of meetings, a lot of planning, a lot of kind of meeting with different um, medical groups. Um, lots of because we're a really small company, we're essentially a startup company. It means that everybody in the company wears a lot of different hats. Yeah. So in an average week, I might say, fly to Sydney to deliver a training to a bunch of naturopaths, fly up to Brisbane to see our one of our education managers up there and spend some time with her, come back to Melbourne, um, write a presentation with Ben on some um, new product development material we've got, review some research that's just been published, maybe film a couple of um, informational videos for our practitioners. Yeah. And then, you know, even do things like sit in a meeting to talk about designing a new box for one of our products. So yeah. we all, you know, we all do lots and lots of different things and it's, yeah. it's super busy, but it's really fun to know, you know, to know how the company is working on every single level. So, you know, yeah. in an average day, I will spend half the day with the CEO and, you know, um, part of the day, I don't know, filling boxes in the warehouse. So everyone gets to do everything. It's brilliant. 
Yeah, that's really cool. And what do you reckon are some of the key skills that you use or would need in this kind of role? I think the most important skill is the ability to think on your feet. Yeah. You know, there's always, someone will always throw unexpected questions at you or ask a really, I don't know, a really curly or probing question about material or a product or a study and just having the ability to really quickly formulate an answer in my mind and then speak it really confidently. I think that would be the most important skill, the ability to, yeah, to think really quickly. Yeah. Um, another skill I think is really important is I have I have a really good memory and yeah. that's that's definitely held me in really good stead in all aspects of my career. Um, yeah. it, my students, when I've been lecturing, you know, often in London I would have lecture halls of 100-plus students and I would know all their names and they were wow. always in shock that I could remember their names after meeting them once and it's definitely <laughs> one of my superpowers is remembering names. That's incredible. So, yeah, having, having a really good short-term memory for details definitely helps in a job like this when my brain is in about seven different places at once yeah I bet is that a skill you've always had or is that something you've developed over time well I think I've actually lost quite a lot of it I like to joke that you know when I had my baby they took my memory my brain out along with the placenta um, (laughs) that I feel like I've never actually recaptured the um the adept memory powers of my youth um but you know that's middle-aged motherhood in many ways I suppose yeah but I'm sure you're still like by the sounds of it if you could remember a hundred people's names in a hall I'm sure even your decreased capabilities of memory are still phenomenal <laughs> well let's see, let's see what happens when I'm 86 you know? yeah <laughs> you'll have to keep us posted yeah. <laughs> um, brilliant and do you have any advice for people who want to go down a similar pathway and get into the education space Yeah, it's always get as much experience as you can in delivering information, whatever that looks like. So, you know, like like I said to you, I never I never set out to to have this role and to start on this path. It's something that just evolved. And it evolved through through, I guess, always being interested in explaining how things worked and explaining, you know, it started off with explaining to my I guess my customers in the health food shop, you know, why you would choose this product over that product explaining to customers in the pharmacy which supplement was safe to take with their medication and why. So always kind of refining explanations and enjoying disseminating knowledge. And then just, you know, I really think the important thing, it's, you know, it's that old, old, old saying, and it applies to many industries, but it's always who you know rather than what you know. And it's really, I think that's why I had so many opportunities when I was living in London, because I just knew so many people through my teaching. And so, you know, my name was one that lots of people knew because I would have, oh, I don't know, 1,200 students every semester. So that's a lot of potential connections that I would be able to make, you know, in the industry and in the wider world. So I would always say put your effort into um, getting to know the people who you're studying with and the people who you're working with and staying in touch with them. Uh, not that I ever did any of that for, you know, kind of plotting reasons. It's always because I genu- genuinely enjoy connection and, you know, maintaining contact and hearing what people are up to. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, maintaining your networks and taking any opportunity to deliver information. Yeah. Brilliant. And do you have tips for getting out there and getting into opportunities where you can start delivering that information? So finding things like um, seminars and workshops that you can take part in? 
Yeah, absolutely. Start with what you're doing now and look at ways that you can give information. So if you're working in a health food shop, you know, approach your manager about running a, like an evening seminar on something you're really passionate about. Or I remember one of the first things I ever did as a brand new graduate was I put together a little kind of healthy eating sheet that I've then photocopied because that's how old I am, photocopied and used to hand out to customers in the health food shop. So just making opportunities to give information and to educate people everywhere you are. Yeah, brilliant. And how about making things memorable? Because teaching people something is one thing, but getting them to really be moved by it and remember it is another thing. And I know when I was listening to you speak recently, I retained so much of that information because you were just so good at delivering it. So I went to work the next day and was telling one of my friends all about what you'd taught me. And I was like, wow, I remembered so much of what you'd said. Like, and that's a really great thing in an educator. So do you have any tips or any um, things that you personally do to help people remember and relay that information later? Well, I've had a lot of practice. Yeah. So I get a lot, I've learned through a lot of trial and error what, what helps people understand. And so often it's it's hanging things onto examples or anecdotes. I yep. really feel like that's the key. If you can make something seem visible in someone's mind's eye in a situation that they understand or something they've seen before, or tell them a really funny story, um, yes. then that will that will often just help things to hang around in your memory. Yeah. Incredible. It's a good way to go. And I suppose that's also touching on the different learning styles too, because if you're making it visual, even though you're teaching in an auditory manner. Um, you're bringing in that visual learning side to it as well. Yeah, I think so. You know, people, what we're learning, excuse me, we're learning all the time about the different, the different ways that brains retain knowledge. And so I try to, you know, I try to use really clear language. I try to be quite linear in my explanations, but I also want to create a picture in someone's brain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. And what would you say your vision is now? So you're obviously in an incredible position here with activated probiotics. Do you see yourself in this position long-term or what are some of your future career goals? You've already done so much, but is there anything else you'd like to tick off? It's a great question. So what I love about where I am at the moment is how excited I am for the future for this company. Yeah. You know, this, this is a company that's doing something unlike anything I've ever seen before. And I, I don't have any plans to move on from, you know, my current, my current mission, I guess, which is to, to help raise the, um, the level of understanding about the microbiome and its links to every body system and body condition um, to practitioners all across, across the world. Yeah. And it's such a cool company to be working for because you are really doing so much groundbreaking work, particularly with the different types of products you offer. And maybe we should talk a little bit about activated probiotics, because I just love that you guys are offering specific products for specific conditions, as opposed to more of the general probiotic options you come across more commonly. Um, So do you want to do a little like recap of what you love about activated probiotics and what sets you apart? So there are several things that I think that made me passionately excited to join this company. One is like you identified the the fact that we're doing something so different that we are bringing to practitioners a range of what what we call precision probiotics or condition specific probiotics. And these are strains of bacteria which have been put through really rigorous clinical trials and found to um, to contribute to significant precise clinical outcomes. So you know, just for an example, one of the products that I'm most excited about talking about is Biome Osteo, which 
is a combination of three strains of probiotic, uh, which were found after a 12 month long clinical trial to reduce the rate of bone density loss in postmenopausal women by 78%. And that's, you know, before I read that trial, I remember thinking I just joined the company and they were telling me about this probiotic they had for bone health. And I kept thinking that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) What? And then I read the trial and, you know, all of these cogs started turning in my brain and I'm thinking, this is, this is huge. This is absolutely huge. And since, you know, since that trial was published, it was published in the Lancet Journal of Rheumatology, um, caused a big splash. This was in November, 2019. And since then there's been quite a spate of, you know, of research findings showing that there is a connection between the microbiome and bone metabolism. Yeah. Um, and also helping us to helping to elucidate the various mechanisms by which probiotics can affect bone density. And it's absolutely fascinating. So that's the, the first exciting thing for me is working with these really unique condition specific products. Yeah. Um, the second exciting thing really, and what, what gets me out of bed every day and makes me super excited. And what I love to talk about with practitioners is the fact that I really feel like what we're doing is raising the burden of evidence the standard of evidence around around natural medicine products and this is something that's that i felt kind of disturbed about for quite a long time in in the natural medicine world that we you know having having been a lecturer for so long and having worked with students who who i see put their heart and soul into their studies and work for years and years on end and stay up all night writing their assignments and cry all over their lecturers and you know, they go through so much to get their degrees. We demand so much academic integrity from them. We demand that all of the assignments they write, they cite their sources, they provide published evidence for everything. And yet when they come out into the world of natural medicine practice, hardly any of the supplements they have available to them have that level of evidence behind them. Barely any natural medicine product has been put through a randomized double-blind placebo-controlled human clinical trial in its finished form. Mm. And I just feel this isn't good enough for the incredible people we are producing in this industry. They deserve to have supplements and materials available to them which match their own level of integrity. So something I'm incredibly proud of at Activated Probiotics is that we will always support clinical evidence in our products. We partner with universities. We've actually just kicked off a study here in Melbourne with Latrobe University, looking at using our Biome Lift product as a treatment for subthreshold clinical depression. And this is a, you know, this is going to be a randomized placebo controlled double blind trial conducted by researchers at the University of Latrobe, and it will be published. And, you know, our several of our products have gone through this level of clinical trial. The results have been published in reputable journals, like I mentioned The Lancet earlier. Um, a previous trial on Biome Lift was published in the journal Frontiers of Psychiatry. Yeah. So I feel like we are really raising the bar when it comes to providing the quality of evidence mm-hmm. that natural medicine practitioners need to match their education and also to give them the confidence that the intervention they are prescribing is going to achieve the desired clinical outcome. So those, I guess, are the, 
the two things that are most exciting to me, the fact that we have these unique products that have never been done before and that we are working so, so passionately and tirelessly to make sure that we are really improving the quality of evidence behind the medicines that we're prescribing. But there's lots of other things I love as well. I love the the premium quality of everything that we produce and do, you know, our marketing material looks amazing. Our website is gorgeous. The packaging of the products are lovely. All the material we produce looks fabulous and, you know, is, is really well written. Um, so it's wonderful to work for a company that doesn't, doesn't cut corners around things like marketing and quality. Um, and it's also, you know, the, the very best thing about the job is the the beautiful souls who I call my colleagues. You know, yeah. I'm very, very lucky that every person I work with is just really exceptional, really exceptional. Yeah. So it's, a, it's yeah, it's a really, a really special company. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. And you really are at the forefront of something special there. Yeah, yeah I think we are. I think we are. Definitely. So you've had a couple of different educator roles. So you've got your current one with activated probiotics, but you've also had um, lecturing roles in the past. What would you say are some of the key differences between the two? Oh, that's a great question. Um, with, I suppose the, the first thing that pops up would be the difference in outcome. So, you know, with students, I'm often taking them from, especially if it's their very first year or very first subject, from a position of not, you know, not having the foundations of knowledge and helping them to create those foundations. Whereas what I'm doing in the practitioner space is, you know, I'm talking to established healthcare practitioners from a wide range of fields. You know, we talk to a lot of pharmacists, um, doctors, nurses, dietitians, um, osteopaths, naturopaths, nutritionists, um, you know, people who are well-versed in how the body works and their role in helping it. So I guess the the most obvious thing would be the adjustment in level of knowledge. Yeah. Um, and also the being able to slant the information depending on what people need to get from it. Yep. So again, with students, they are, you know, especially around exam time, the what they are always wanting is how do they understand key concepts for their forthcoming assessments. Mm -hmm. Whereas practitioners are wanting a, so with students, it's often very narrow information. Practitioners often want a really broad landscape because they want to see how, what does this look like in the real world? What does this look like in clinical practice? So yeah. I guess the biggest difference is, yeah, the scope of information being delivered. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. And what would you say you attribute your success to to date? Oh, wow. Goodness me. <laughs> big question. Um, yeah, that's, a big, that's a big question, Shana. Um, I would say it is my interest in always knowing why. Yeah. Or knowing why, but why does that nutrient do that? But why does that supplement work better than that one? But, you know, when I explain something like this and when I understand something, I can see the light bulbs going on around the room with my students or the practitioners I'm training. So yeah, I think, I think I've been so lucky in my work because I will always want to understand mm -hmm. how the body works and how different processes work and then, you know, help, help other people to, to understand them as well. Yeah. Amazing. That's such an important thing, having that really deep understanding. I totally agree with that. And what would you say, would you say it's something similar that um, is necessary to be successful in this industry? Like what would your advice be to people um, who do want to succeed in this field? 
Well, I think it's similar to what I said earlier. Make sure you get to know everyone around you. Yeah. Um, it really, I really do think that, you know, who you keep in your network, these are all opportunities for you, always. Absolutely. You never know when someone who you studied with or worked with is going to have a really exciting opportunity that they're looking for someone for. So mm-hmm. maintain your networks. And I guess, the you know, on a broader level, just never stop reading. I think reading is really the most important thing. I mean, you know, I read, I I read novels all the time, and there's it, there's a lot you can learn about the world from reading fiction. Definitely. But it, I think it's helped to keep my brain sharp for reading uh, clinical trials and studies um, and textbooks as well. So yeah. reading and socialising would be my advice. Amazing. And on the topic of books, if you had to recommend one book for every listener to read, what would it be and why? Oh, wow. That's a really... <laughs> it's tough because there's so many good ones. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Um, well, I just read a fantastic novel, actually, yeah. and this is maybe slightly off topic, but okay. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And I think that, you know, it's something I, will, I, I would often, when I was in clinical practice and when I was a lecturer, would often tell my students and my patients to help with you know, exam stress and life stress, read fiction every night before you fall asleep. You know, getting into bed and reading a good book is a brilliant way to help your brain build a bridge between, you know, the end of the day and the relaxation of nighttime. So I do wholeheartedly recommend everybody reads novels. And I just read an absolutely brilliant novel, which I loved, um, called Sorrow and Bliss by Meg Mason, who's a British Australian author. And it's it's about um, women and mental health and love and relationships and life. And it was just absolutely beautiful. And it made me think a lot. So yeah. that would be my recommendation at the moment. Oh, brilliant. I'm going to check that out. I love books that make you think and yeah, really open mm-hmm. your eyes to different things that you may not consider on a daily basis. Um, so in nutrition, we're in the business of helping other people. But what are some of the things you do to help yourself and make sure you fill up your own cup and are able to continue to give to others? Um, well, I think I may have answered it in the last question, actually. Reading is my big stuff. Yeah. So I make sure that I read, yeah, I read fiction every single night. And that's something that's really important to me. And I, I can see how important it is when, you know, if I've got a really long day and I'm really tired in the afternoon, I'm just absolutely fantasizing about being curled up on my sofa at home reading my book. So yeah. it's really something that's really important to me. Um, so reading for sure, um, catching up with friends. Lockdown was so hard for me because I love to go out for dinner. And, yeah. you know, I go out to dinner with my friends probably three nights a week. And so not being able to do that felt really hard. And it was as soon as we were, you know, kind of allowed out from lockdown, I had my diary absolutely full with with dinner and brunch engagements for the next three weeks. Yeah. So, again, you know, going out, um, relaxing out of the home around food because food is my greatest obsession in life is yeah. is really important. Um, and I also drink a lot of tea. It's a habit I picked up living in the UK and being married to an Englishman. Yeah. Um, and I have very much adopted the British saying that, you know, a cup of tea solves all ills. Yes. So whenever, <laughs> whenever you need to pick me up or you need calming down or you're very happy or you're very sad or you're very angry or you're very excited, um, yeah. putting the kettle on and making a lovely pot of tea is is something that fixes everything. Yeah, there's a tea for everything, isn't there? If you had to pick a favourite, what would it be? Well, I've become very traditional, thanks again, thanks to my my time in England and my English husband. And I really do love an excellent quality English breakfast, loose leaf tea brewed in the pot, no tea bags, thank you. Yeah. Um, 
yes. So a very good English breakfast tea. Yeah, beautiful. I love it. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, this has been such an inspiring chat and I honestly could listen to you talk for so long. Your passion really just shines through and it's so inspiring to listen to. Um, But do you have any parting words of advice for the listeners today? Oh, look after your microbiome because you have... (laughs) We are still genuinely just at the very, we're just dipping our toes into the lake of knowledge around the microbiome and the way that it affects your body health. So feed your microbiome with the broadest range of plant-based foods you possibly, possibly can, Um, you know, get all those polyphenols in and all those fibers um, and, you know, have a look at what a really good quality probiotic supplement can do for you because it's probably more than you had anticipated. Yes, so important. And on that note, is there a good space to um, sort of go to to stay on the forefront of all this microbiome science as it continues to be uncovered? Like, do you have any recommendations? Should we all follow along the activated probiotic stuff that you're putting out? Or yeah, what's your go to when it comes to that? Yeah, you can join the activated probiotics practitioner portal, which is on our website. You, if you use Facebook, uh, you are also welcome to join the Activated Probiotics Practitioner Network. And, you know, I will often post new studies and exciting things there. Um, and of course, come along to our seminars. So I'm currently putting together a national tour of seminars. This is assuming that borders will open and remain open, etc. over the next few months. But um, we are going to be detailing some really exciting new products we have coming out. And I would love to connect with practitioners then and share with them the really, really exciting research. So yeah, I would say keep keep an eye on us because we are taking all of this published new research and turning it into really exciting applications. Amazing. And yeah, fingers crossed for borders opening and you being able to get all of this brilliant education out to everyone in all of the states. And last but not least, if people want to follow along with your personal journey, where can they find you? They can find me at Activated Probiotics. So Pop into the Facebook group. I'm probably most present there. Um, But otherwise, we've got, you know, we've got the activated probiotics Instagram. um, And, you know, you're just always welcome to get in touch. I love to talk to practitioners. I will talk to practitioners any day of the week. So, you know, just um, just contact me through activated probiotics and we'll have a chat. That sounds great. Well, thank you so much for being here today and sharing all of your knowledge and experience with us. It's been such a pleasure and I know I've really enjoyed it and I'm sure everyone else listening will as well. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Shana. It's been, it's been my pleasure coming on your podcast. It's been a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I feel like I gained so much valuable insight and advice from it and I hope you agree. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review and tell me what you think. I would love to hear your feedback. Do you know anyone else that this episode can benefit? I would be so grateful if you share it with them. That way, they too can benefit from all of the insight that we covered today. Your support means so much to me and together we can help even more people build a career and a life that they love. Thank you for being here. Until next time, keep making your dreams a reality.